When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are doing well. This is going to be a good episode. I have a feeling, like a just, you know, a little inkling, little tugging feeling inside that this is going to be a good one because I really want to focus today on connection, human connection, the human condition, the way that we are in the sense of needing each other because, I mean, I'm going to get into it, but I do feel like in this day and age, the way that we are and so technologically connected, many of us have never felt more lonely. Though we have a lot of opportunities to connect with people on the internet and just, you know, we've been exposed in recent years to more lives than any generation has before, we still are left feeling kind of lonely sometimes or when we do feel little bursts of loneliness, they feel more crushing than I believe they ever have. So we're going to delve into that deeper in this episode. If you are feeling lonely, if you've ever felt lonely, if you've ever felt a surge of warmth when you're around people that get you, this is a good episode for you. So pretty much everybody, I hope, because I hope everyone's felt a surge of happiness and overall joy when you're with your friends or your significant other or your parents or your sister or brother, whatever, and just someone is looking at you, speaking with you, hearing you. Like that's just an unmatched feeling and there's a reason for it. There is a reason that a part of the human condition is human connection. It's a piece of it. And hating the cars that go by my window is also a part of the human connection because I swear I can never catch a break. I feel like I always push record and a huge car goes by. But I have two stories I want to share from these recent trips I've gone on to Montauk on an influencer trip. And then I also just got back from Puerto Rico. I went to San Juan with one of my really, really good friends from college. And we had a night to remember. I met so many famous adjacent or famous people that 
are older than me that taught me so much wisdom. So I'm going to talk about that, but also a really unique dinner conversation I had while in the Hamptons with a bunch of girls who do exactly what I do on the internet. Very thought-provoking. So yeah, a couple of stories. Sit down, relax. I don't know if you guys are working or doing whatever. I tend to listen to podcasts in all different phases of my day. So I hope you guys are excited to hear more about this because I have a lot to share. So without further ado, let's just get on into it. I also have a really interesting story to share at the very end of the podcast that I just have not stopped thinking about. And I just feel like there's so many parallels that can be made. So anyway, lots of stories in this episode. So let's get on into it. Okay. I want to start out with the one story I referenced on this influencer trip that I went on. So I talked about this a little bit over on my other podcast, Match Made. You guys know I do this podcast with my friends Adam and Colby every single week, every Friday. And we talk about really what this episode's all about, connection and relationships and dating, but not even just dating. We talk about friendships too and work relationships and all sorts. And I honestly love it. It's my baby. We're about to hit half a million listens, which is huge for the program. So definitely give it a listen if you haven't already. But last week, I touched very briefly on the influencer trip that I went on. And I call it that because it's not, you know, I go on some trips where it's a bunch of people who happen to be influencers and we're all buddies and we go on this trip because we planned it. But this one was actually with a brand. It was with Fashion Pass, which is a clothing rental brand you guys know I've talked about over on my vlogs a lot which actually reminds me I need to order some stuff for this bachelorette I'm going on. Really love the brand. So they collaborated with Gals on the Go, Danielle and Brooks podcast, to bring out a bunch of podcasters to the Hamptons to preview some clothes, like do some stuff with the clothes, but also just to enjoy ourselves and really mingle with the team. One of the co-founders of Fashion Pass was there. She's five months pregnant. She was still there. It was so fun. It was a great trip. But one of the nights... This is actually something I recommend if you guys ever go on trips with people that you don't know super well. I mean, I knew a bunch of the girls, but the Fashion Pass team I didn't really know too well. And there's like a couple of girls that I'm still getting to know. And we played this game at dinner. We were at this place called CC. It's an Italian place in East Hampton. I was told it was Southampton we were going to, but it turned out it was actually East Hampton. There was a typo on the email. So I might have said Southampton in my last episode, but we were sitting at dinner in East Hampton at CC. And we were waiting for our meal. It was kind of one of those things where like the service just really did take forever. So we were trying to chat, kill time. We'd run out of things to say the night before. So we played this game where you can come up with a question and everyone has to answer the question, whatever it may be. And then it passes on to the next person and the next person gets to ask their own question, et cetera. I had two questions. Look to the person to their right, and if their name wasn't whatever it is, so to my right, her name is Eli. I'm like, if your name wasn't Eli, what would it be? I have to answer. Like, I have to come up with a new name for you. And she had to come up with a new name for Margot or whoever was sitting next to her, etc. Honestly, crowd pleaser of a question. My second question was, I loved the person to the right of you concept because it's not so personal. It's like about someone else. Look to the person to the right of you and come up with a food for them. Like what food represents them? Like, I don't know. My friends and I have been playing this game for a long time where if we're waiting in line for a bar or something, we do a food game. We're like, okay, that guy over there, like what kind of food is he? Is he an enchilada? Is he mango sorbet? Like it's just, it's so interesting. And I don't know where it comes from or like how we come up with these things. But my one friend, Shay, is so good at it. She'll say like, oh, they're a chocolate mousse or something. And it's so accurate. And I don't know why. And it's not, entirely about how the person looks. It's just like their essence and you can just come up with a food. 
for the just the way that they are. It's even more fun if you know the person. But anyway, I digress. One of the questions that was asked, and I don't remember who asked it. I want to say it was Brooke. The question was, what is something that you have not experienced yet that you will experience for the first time or hope to experience for the first time that you're most excited about? Like, what is the top of your list, something that you're so excited to experience or do or feel for the first time? And it was such a good question. I sat there with myself and was just frantically looking around like, oh my God, I need inspiration. Like, obviously there's so many things I wanna do, but what am I most excited to experience? Like, that could be a feeling. It doesn't need to be a thing that I'm doing necessarily or like a milestone, but like a feeling. And everyone goes around and is sharing things The first thing that popped into my head without hesitation, like maybe there was a brief hesitation at first because I was like, what is the thing I'm most excited about? But at my core, I knew it's the thing that I always, you know, when I'm throwing a coin into a fountain or I'm blowing out candles on my birthday, I'm always wishing for this. I am so excited to fall in love for the first time with a person like a significant other. Obviously, I've experienced love in other ways, like for my family and for friends and for chocolate cake. But like, what is something I'm very excited to do for the first time. Oh, fall in love, obviously. Very excited about that. So I tucked that away in my brain. I'm listening to everyone and they're sharing like, oh, I'm so excited to move to this new city. Or there was a bunch of people from the Fashion Pass team I didn't know. So they were sharing some things about like moving or like moving in with their boyfriend or like things like that. Just like next steps. The woman who co-founded the brand who was pregnant said that she is so excited to be a mom for the first time. And everyone was sharing such, such great things. And I felt like the sinking thing. I'm like, oh my God, is mine too deep? Like, am I the only person at this table who's never been in love with another person romantically? Like I started to spiral and feel so nervous about my answer. And then it hits the girl next to me. I'm not going to share like who specifically, because this could be personal, but she shares and she's like someone that I just admire so much. And she said, I am so excited to experience love, romantic love for the first time. And I'm like, oh my God, she took the words right out of my freaking mouth, guys, like right out of my mouth. And I couldn't even hold it in. It'd been like two martinis. I was like, I exclaimed. I'm like, me too. That was exactly what I was going to say. And I ended up just saying the same thing because that is truly my response. But I was just marveling in that moment. I wrote it down in my notes to make sure I talked about it on this podcast. And it might not sound significant to anyone listening, but just the fact that Moments like this where you realize that we are all the same. We are. Yes, we have our unique timelines and facial features and the things that make us unique. Yes, there are things. But at the end of the day, at our core, we are all the same. We are or we have very similar cravings, very similar needs. And connection is a huge one of them. So that was one event. And then I went to Puerto Rico this past week. Like I just was connecting the dots between two unrelated but related scenarios. And so here, enter scenario number two, and I'm going to tie it all together after I share this. So anyway, we were in Puerto Rico. It was our last night. We were in San Juan, old San Juan, and we had looked on open table to find restaurants. People had sent me suggestions for things, but we were just in vacation mode. And a lot of times when you're on vacation, you're just like so last minute with plans. Like we definitely should have planned out our nights a bit better. I was there to represent two hotels. I was posting some stuff for hotels. I think I mentioned that. And I brought my friend Mia, who was my college roommate for two years, felt like longer, two years. One of my closest friends, she just moved to the city a year ago and she's one of my closest, closest friends. So I brought her on the trip. We were on the last night 
of our San Juan adventure. And we decided to go into town, into old San Juan. And we had a few different things we wanted to see, like different landmarks and like areas that I've been told by a lot of you guys who DM'd me to try out and to see. So thank you to everyone who submitted things via DM to me. Really appreciate you. So I saw so, so, so much. And then I got hungry. So we were like, let's just wander into a place somewhere. And someone had recommended this place called Carly's Piano and like Music Bar. And it was a restaurant as well. And apparently the site of this place, like the location of this restaurant is where I'm totally going to butcher this history, but it's a location like there had been a restaurant there before. And over the years, a lot of musicians and like people from the music trade have become discovered there or there's just like a lot of history there. So classically, me, the history lover, loved to wander in there and discover that. So we're reading the menu. It was like 6 p.m. And we were fully geared up to go to bed at like 930, like get a dinner and listen to some piano music and go home. And that was what we were thinking. But as we were sitting there, I think the best part of vacation is just the people watching. So many characters wandered into this place of all ages, of all dress. And it was just so interesting just to stare at people, honestly, and wonder, kind of imagine their life stories. And after a few drinks, we were getting, you know, appetizers, just chilling. And we were both like just talking to each other about like what the stories are of these people and how we imagined their lives to be. And at one point I went to the bathroom And I was wearing this blue ruffly dress that was definitely a flashy or not flashy, but like it's noticeable. It's a very bright blue color. And on my way back, this woman at the bar flagged me down and asked me where I got my dress. And we got to talking. It turns out she's from New York City as well. Like she lives very close to where I live. And I thought it was so cool. So we were chatting, chatting, chatting. Then she and myself, we got the attention of the people talking next to her. And it was a husband and wife duo. It turns out, guys, they're also from New York. Like what are the odds? of all of this, but an older couple, it turns out, have been doing alterations here in the city for over 20 years for celebrities. Like they had most recently worked with Harry Styles. They were showing me sketches on their phone of like outfits that he's worn and how they altered them to fit him for his tour. And like they'd worked with so many people. They were name dropping a bunch of celebrities, which it's funny because when people are name dropping celebrities, it almost is like it's fine if they're an older person. If that, I don't need to be rude here. I don't think it is. But like if they have 20 plus years of credibility and they're older and wiser than you are, it's almost OK if they name drop. I don't know if that's a widespread thought. But like if it was someone younger, I would have been maybe annoyed. But I thought it was so cool. And obviously seeing like the photos and stuff made it believable and real. And they gave me their Instagram. I posted them on my story. But they were so, so cool. And then at one point, this guy starts playing the piano. And Mia came over. We pulled up chairs next to these people. This woman at the bar who was telling me about her daughter and her love for gambling. And she's a little bit older as well. They were all a little bit older, like probably in their 60s. And all the while, this guy walks over to the piano and starts playing. And in this restaurant... The first thing I noticed when I walked in the door was this giant piano in the middle. Like there's tables, but it almost seems like the tables were kind of an afterthought. Like the piano was the main attraction and I could just picture, I knew from seeing it and from seeing the instruments strewn about the place that this is just like where people go to listen to piano music. And I could just picture so many people crowding around this piano to hear whoever's performing. And it just seemed like a very musical place despite being a restaurant. And just something about it, just it struck me as being very important. This piano is a very important piano. And I was right because turns out, okay, so 
this guy starts playing the piano and then this other guy, the 60-year-old man who works in alterations, leans into me and he says, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no, he just looks like a nice man. I don't know. (laughs) He looks, he had a very nice looking face, like very expressive and smiley and just friendly. You could tell warm, friendly, wearing a t-shirt and just cut off little shorts, like nothing fancy. And he goes, well, that is Carly. He owns this bar, like restaurant bar, whatever you call it. And he used to tour with the Beach Boys in the 70s. Like he played piano and other instruments for the Beach Boys and went on tour with them and worked closely with the Beach Boys. My dad loves the Beach Boys. I grew up on the Beach Boys. I thought this was so cool. All the while, I would not have known any of these things if I hadn't struck up conversation. Well, I guess the woman at the bar, I have her to thank, but it was the kind of close-knit place where I would imagine we would have started talking to these people anyway because the guy, actually, I didn't even mention this, but the man and wife alterations duo, at one point, the man's chair literally broke. This was before we started talking to him. His chair broke out from under him and he literally toppled to the ground and everyone in the restaurant sprang up to help him. And he was just, he totally laughed it off, handled it like a champ. Like I can imagine a bunch of men would be very embarrassed and overcome by this and not able to like enjoy themselves because of it. But he sprang right back up and ordered a drink and he was just my hero from that point on. So I knew we were going to be friends. And it turns out we ended up being friends because we took selfies. He told us so many stories about him and his wife who had been together for 30 plus years and met in New York City working at Giorgio Armani. Like it was just the coolest thing hearing these people's stories. And at one point, the, the pianist, Carly, comes over and is chatting with us and telling us about the bar and the history of the bar and his history working with the Beach Boys. And he asks if we have song requests. I asked him to play In a Sentimental Mood, which is my favorite jazz piano song by Duke Ellington. And I just love it. I like pulled it up on my phone for some reason. Like, I don't know why I didn't just say it. I think I was concerned that he might not know it, but like, obviously everyone knows In a Sentimental Mood. It's a very like classic song by Duke Ellington, but He played it. He actually ended up putting like his own spin on it. It was almost like a remix of it and made it even more special. It was just such a moment where I'm sitting there in my blue, like ruffly little dress, holding a martini, sitting next to my best friend and all of my new friends that I just made who were far older than me, but we were all just like united in this moment of listening to this piano music just fill this restaurant. And it was just such a moment where I felt very happy to be alive and very happy to have this connection with these people who I don't know, literally don't know. (laughs) So we ended up spending many hours there, like way too many hours there. We went dancing afterwards and we're salsa dancing at this bar called, um, oh man, I'm going to forget what it's called, aren't I? Yep, I guess I am. It's just not coming to me, but it's on my story. I made a highlight for all the places we went in San Juan, if you guys are interested, on my Instagram page. But anyway, the takeaway from this second story is just the feeling, the rush you get when you connect with other people, perfect strangers, and you come to this common ground of understanding each other, even though there was like, I don't know, a 20-year age difference. No, more than that. Probably a 35-year age difference between us. And we were all just having such a time together and they were asking us questions about things that would resonate with us and like that we're really good at. And like I was asking them, this husband-wife alterations duo about the cool things that they've done, how they got into it, how they met, their rules for marriage, like all sorts of things, talking to this pianist about his adventures on the road. And we were all just like 
coming together and the same. Like I said earlier, it's like at the end of the day, we all want the same things. We want this connection. We crave this connection. We crave being seen and heard and understood. And it's something that whether we want to admit it or not, sometimes we do need each other. We do. It's a part of our human condition. You know, I've talked about this before. It's generally just, you know, paraphrasing the human condition. I mean, obviously it's kind of self-explanatory, but it's that experience of being human, the good parts, the bad parts, the innate need that we have to be seen, loved, and appreciated. And we all feel it. And we are the only species that can actually articulate our feelings in words, in songs, in art. And we might sink into moments of thinking that we're alone in our feelings and our struggles, that we're the only person that feels this way or that way. But we really aren't unique in that way. We aren't. Everyone struggles. Everyone feels, even if they won't admit it. Everyone stops to ask themselves occasionally, am I happy? Am I content? Even in the moments where you think you would not even need to ask yourself that question, you're still you know, confronted with this feeling of like, am I happy? Am I doing well? I don't even know anymore. Our life stories, the actual details, the, the meat of our life stories, the timing of events and those more minor details Yes, we are unique and diverse in that way. But to their core, to our core as humans, we all contain compelling stories of disappointment and drama and pain and satisfaction and joy and happiness. At our core, guys, we crave connection. We are a social species, okay? I'm saying this, which kind of is like stating the obvious, honestly, but I'm saying this to remind myself and all of us that if we get down in the dumps and really feel profoundly this pain, when we feel snubbed, when we feel like our friends hate us, we've gotten out of a relationship and we feel lonely, the pain we feel is very valid because I know how it feels to be connected and how great that is and the high of that. And when we don't have that, there's a reason why we feel so crushed. It's because it's in our DNA, in our wiring to want to be together, to want to be seen. If we're with someone or in the presence of someone who does not see us or does not love us or whatever, we feel crushed also because it's almost worse than being alone, being with someone who doesn't get you. And I think a lot of times I've talked about this in terms of the troll behavior on social media or the haters, the people that hate follow, the people that DM you mean things or randomly just send your Instagram stories to other people and you're like, wait, I wonder why people are sharing this story. And you're like spiraling and wondering why people are talking about you and all that. I think a lot of it, the troll behavior, the behavior in when you don't like someone or you want to comment on why you don't like someone, it comes from not being seen and not being heard by them. If, you know, at one point we're a lover of this person's content or you were friends with this person in real life or you went to college with them and you feel like they haven't properly connected with you back. Like you felt like you were friends, but they've made it seem otherwise. They didn't invite you to their birthday party or like whatever, you feel snubbed. It's real pain you experience. And I think that's why a lot of people lash out. That's why we choose some people to hate because maybe we just weren't, the love was not reciprocated. The connection was not reciprocated. And that is why. I'm just coming to these realizations, I think. I'm just trying to rationalize why people can be so cruel and why I've even been cruel to other people and why in my group chat we've talked about people 
from college or like whoever and are celebrities even and are like, oh, I don't know. I don't particularly like that person. Like, why why do I think that? Am I jealous? Like, what's the reason? There is a reason. You can't just like hate someone for no reason, right? So we crave connection. That part is obvious. We are a social species. We want to give. We want to receive. We want to connect. But the saddest truth that we deal with on a daily basis, I think, is that the ultimate paradox of being human right now in this day and age is the fact that while we are the most connected we've ever been, I talked about this earlier with the internet and social media, we frequently feel lonely and we keep secrets, okay? We keep very important parts of ourselves that have really defined our stories locked away inside of us, never to see the light of day. We feel this kind of stage fright in a way. It's like, let me share some things, but not all things. And with all the opportunities to be social and to share our lives online, like you could really meet someone from any corner of the world on the internet right now. It makes so many of us want to retreat and hide. And with seeing so many other people appear to be so effortless with sharing, like I deal with this so much as an influencer. I see other people that are just so good at sharing. There's certain things I share, but certain things I will never because I feel kind of insignificant sometimes. I feel lesser than and lonely. And sometimes I even feel like I'll offend people with what I'm saying. So is it even worth it? Like this is something that's my truth, something that's I've done, that's something that's happened to me that I want to share. But I'm afraid people are going to be like, my struggle is worse than yours or my, you know, or this is nothing or this deeply offends me. The last thing I'm going to do is offend someone, right? So anyway, in terms of communication, in terms of social media, but the difference from even 50 years ago to now is that we are now less emotionally connected to other people in our lives. I think as a human species, it's a general statement, but I just thinking about it and talking to my parents and these older people that I met at this restaurant and talking to them about their lives and their friendships and their relationships, I just feel like we are now less emotionally connected just generally because we don't have to be. The conversations that you can have online often lack that color and raw emotion that many of us know to be what happens when you're confronted with a question, you're asked a question, or like you have to come up with something on the spot, right? Like there's a huge difference between asking someone this deep, interesting question at the dinner table and the other person replying without a minute to think and draft their reply. Like they're just saying something from the heart, from the soul, the first thing off the top of their head. Like a lot of times we don't have to do that. We can take a moment and pause and watch a video on TikTok 17 times before drafting a comment. And even myself, I think about having these deep conversations at these dinners, like I said earlier, and I've always, you know, spoken and wondered, was that any good? Like what I just said, was that any good? I wish I could have a do-over. I wish I could have, you know, drafted that, deleted it, proofread it, researched it and perfected it before I said it. And that's the social media in me. That is lacking emotional connection because I can be whoever I want to be. I can say whatever I want to say on the internet. And I oftentimes wonder when I see really nasty or like very, you know, there's two sides of it, like really, really profound, very interesting or like really mean comments that really dig at someone's underbelly, like just hitting someone where it hurts. I wonder how long it took them to draft this comment or how long they've been lurking and waiting for someone to do something remotely problematic so they could snap and draft this perfect reply and give it. And it's always like celebrity red carpet interviews that have the nastiest comments. And I'm like, this person was on the red carpet, did not know 
what reporter was going to talk to them, what they were going to say, and you were going to comment something so mean about this person's – like, unless it's deserved, don't get me wrong. I stumbled across this video today saying, like, Addison Ray's most awkward interview. And it was this red carpet interview with her boyfriend. And the interviewers were so, like, just – uninterested in her and she did the best that she could but people were painting her as the awkward one i'm like she didn't have time to prepare for this maybe she prepared a few things like oh i'm excited to be here but they asked her specific questions and like when you're on the spot like that you're going to be raw and real because you have to be you have no alternative really unless you're fed lines from whoever or you practice like an acceptance speech you know you can always tell the acceptance speeches on the vmas or wherever i was just watching the vmas that are highly practiced and the ones that just came right from the heart, like spur of the moment. I almost love when they stutter and they mess up because that's when you know it's real. Like that is what I crave, you know, or what's satisfying to me. Like maybe it takes them a second to get their words out, but it's coming straight from the rawest part of them and not from notes that they've drafted. And this seems a little bit hypocritical considering I often come to this podcast with notes, but I promise most of it is just, you know, my raw reel reactions and thoughts. Anyway, back to the connection of it all. We are a social species. We require relationships. We require this social cohesion. I've seen it said. I think that's like more of a psychological term, but the social cohesion, because being without it affects us so deeply. It affects our health, literally. I feel like when I'm going through it with friendship struggles or feeling very, very, very single, I think like I actually swell. Like I think like I literally blow up like a balloon. I have a physical reaction to it. I get stomach aches. Like when you feel like, you know, when you're about to break up with someone, you get this like, I've never done it, but I've heard from friends. Like you get this horrible stomach ache sometimes because you feel so guilty. In some situations, we feel actual pain that is equivalent to like literally a kick in the gut. It's in our DNA. Connection is as crucial of a need to us as food, as water, as staying warm in cold months If you think about it, like a newborn baby that's literally just been birthed, can't speak, can't talk, can't do anything on its own, like how would a baby survive without connection, without love? How would it even be made without connection? Okay, like I digress. But there's a reason why in so many languages we use terms describing pain when we talk about being lonely or outcasted, snubbed, whatever you call it. We say like, oh, they broke my heart. She broke my heart. He broke my heart. They hurt my feelings. Like we use pain verbiage to describe being lonely or without what we crave, what we want, that connection, being without love, support, someone to talk to, a shoulder to cry on when we really need one. The feeling of that or the feeling of not having that is similar to a physical pain. Even though there are days where you know I want to be alone and in my room with a book and a blanket and a cup of tea, I know that if every single day was spent like that, I would just absolutely lose it. We need each other. We really do. I don't know about you guys, but I actually, and this could be one of those dramatic things. Like I honestly, this is like a little sidebar, but my sister loves to say, she's like, I remember when I was three years old and this thing happened. I'm like, there's no way you have memories from being three years old. And I get mad at her for being dramatic, but I think I'm about to say something very similar in the sense of I remember the first time I felt a friendship connection that I'd made on my own. Like, I'm not talking about the kind that's set up for you kind of, like where you're growing up across the street from people that your parents are friends with. And so the kids just like are thrown together because the parents hang out. So the kids are going to hang out, like that sort of thing. Obviously, you make your own friendship in that case too. But I'm saying like went out into the world and found people and were like, I want to be your friend and really worked on it, right? Like out of my own effort. 
And I remember this specifically because I had begged my parents, this is middle school, to let me sign up for these group tennis lessons. It was, I believe, like ninth grade, like not eighth grade, just kind of smack dab in the middle of middle school. And I was in this phase where I pretty much discovered hairspray for the first time. And every single day before this tennis practice, it was a group tennis lesson like what was it? Like six people, probably six girls. I would hairspray my hair so snug to my scalp and I would pin back my bangs with a giant hair clip. I'd pin it back. So you could say this was my awkward phase, like definitely the peak of my awkward phase. And I'd signed up for these tennis lessons because I'd loved watching the women on TV play tennis with their little skirts. Like I thought they looked so cute and were so badass. And I'd read some like teenage romance novel of the time, maybe like The Click or something where these like girls played tennis together. So you can consider me influenced by that classically. But I made a few friends while I was taking these lessons. There was like six girls and I thought that they were so cool and they all knew each other for some reason. So I think they'd taken lessons the year before and I was kind of, you know, the newcomer and I was added to the group. So after a few weeks, I was just monitoring them, saying like niceties here and there and just like trying to get to know them. And I just had it in my head. I was like, I really want to be friends with these girls. Like they seem really cool. Not only just like the cool girls, but also they were very nice and funny and interesting and like all the reasons why you would want to be friends with someone. And slowly but surely, this was like the first time I was very shy for much of my life. I don't think I'm that shy anymore, but I was very, very, very shy. I was really scared of talking to people and just like overthought everything more than I do now, which says a lot because I still do that now. But I remember slowly but surely like trying to remember things that they'd said and throw it into conversation and try to just find ways to be their friend. Like I tried very, very hard. And pretty soon I got the golden ticket. I will never forget this. When they asked me to have a sleepover, And honestly, you guys remember if you've ever had a sleepover, just the soaring feeling of, wow, like this person wants to curl up in a sleeping bag from Target on the carpet of their basement and sleep next to each other and watch movies and eat candy and talk about boys and like whatever. Like that is the ultimate, like you're in, right? It's the golden ticket, like I said. And I remember they invited me to this sleepover. It was like, I think it was only like three girls from the tennis lesson that I was really, I remember their names still to this day, but they introduced me to their friend group that I didn't know. And I was like the outsider. I was so nervous. I had like stomach pain before going. I remember my mom was like, are you sure you don't want to stay home? I'm like, no, this is very important to me. I need to go to this sleepover. So I remember very clearly it was in this girl's basement And we watched Across the Universe. I will never forget the first time I watched this movie. And the movie was so scandalous to me at the time. I'm telling you guys, I was the biggest goody two-shoes you would ever dream of meeting or not dream of meeting in middle school. I was a very goody-goody, like very straight edge, very rule-abiding Middle school, yeah, we were young then, very young. But I still hear stories to this day from my friends of like the crazy things they did in middle school. And I'm like, I cannot relate. But we watched Across the Universe and I thought it was so interesting. I'd never watched anything like it. We talked about it for hours, like all these girls just in the basement chatting and laughing and crying. And it was just the most connected I'd ever felt up to that point with people that had once been strangers. Like I felt so accomplished when I left. I felt so good and so warm and so just seen because these girls thought I was cool. They thought I was funny. They wanted to invite me to more things. And it's just a core memory to me to this day. And now I've drifted out of touch with these people over the years. I still have them on Facebook, Instagram, some of them. And during high school, 
actually, which I've talked about this. Like I was not very well liked. I was not very cool. This was when my YouTube channel started to take off. So people became aware that I was this weird internet girl and a lot of them abandoned me, these girls. Their opinion was everything to me. So it did make me feel a little bit lonely, obviously. And you know, I just wanted to say that you're not crazy for feeling very, very, very deeply happy when you're seen and heard, like in these environments, in these situations, and also very, very deeply sad when you are snubbed by these people or not invited to something or you feel alone or you're surrounded by all these people who have boyfriends and you don't or you were once really close to this person and you can feel them. You can, There's this palpable feeling of a friendship that's light is going out. And it's like a fire that just is on its last little twig. And you can feel it being snuffed out. You can feel it leaving you. You can feel the drifting apart. Like that is just a sad feeling. It is. Or when you realize or think, start to manufacture this thought that you did something to make it happen. Like you did something or just the way you are is the reason for it. And if you've ever felt that way, like and feel that the the way you are is the reason that you are alone or the reason that someone has drifted from you, please know that that is just one of those things that your brain cooks up and serves on a platter of lies. Like literally, I know this is the most cliche thing to say, but if the way that you are has offended someone or pushed someone away, the way that you are so deeply to your core, like who you are and what you stand for, if that has been the reason that someone has drifted from you, making you feel alone, like they were never your friend to begin with. And I know that's so cliche, but I promise you it is possible to make friends who appreciate you exactly as you are. I know this because I have them now and I've gone through so many phases of life of not having this or thinking I had it and turns out I didn't. Like I was talking with Mia on our drive home last night from JFK and we were talking about these girls that both of us, like separately, different girls, we're friends with in college and just like, you know, don't know anything about their lives anymore because either the friendship died in a dramatic way, there has been some, you know, friendship breakups in both of our lives, or just the drifting of it all, just moving and doing things. And we were both remarking over the fact that both of our college roommates from freshman year are engaged now. And it's just, right, obviously friendships fade, but the ones that are meant to stick do stick I promise you, because I have found it. And who knows where these will go? Obviously, everything is just, I can say, speak from experience and experience only, but I know it's possible. And yeah, and it feels really good when you found it. And I have a whole episode on friendships. If you guys want to listen more about that and about making friends in the city and things like that, I've talked about that quite a lot on here. But it's just a very powerful thing when you find someone and connect with them. And it's a really, really serious, real hurt that you feel when you're lonely and when you feel like a friendship has died. And that is just so valid. I just want to say that because even if it seems like I'm stating the obvious, I know someone out there just needs to hear that, needs to know it and be reminded of it maybe because it's all too real. So that is most of the episode, guys. I have one story I want to share that isn't about me, isn't about my life. (laughs) I have to pull in something. And it's really interesting. And it's about connection. And it's about birds very smart birds. And I know I talked about butterflies last week, so I'm really on an animal planet kick, it seems, but this is a very interesting one. You're going to find this cool. Okay. So top line, headline of the story, I'm going to get into detail, but if you have five seconds, this is the story. Scientists were trying to study birds in Australia, so they fit them with tracking harnesses and the birds helped each other take the harnesses off. 
The birds outsmarted us. That is an actual quote by these scientists. So here is the story. Scientists in Australia thought they had developed an innovative new tracking device to help them monitor magpies. But these crafty birds had other ideas. New research published in Australian field Ornithology describes an experiment that just did not go as planned. A small group of Australian magpies, after being fitted with harness-like tracking devices, unilaterally decided to opt out. <laughs> the scientists watched as the birds helped each other remove the devices in what they say is a potential sign of altruism, which I googled is the behavior of an animal that benefits another at its own expense. So basically being selfless, pretty much. That's what altruism means. And strong evidence of problem solving among these highly social and intelligent creatures. So magpies, they're just like us. <laughs> Scientists refer to this as, quote, rescue behavior. And it happens when a helper tries to free another individual in distress and with no obvious direct benefit to the rescuing individual. This sort of thing is common in ants, but it's also been documented in warblers who are known to liberate each other from sticky grandis seeds. They like help each other out. So the purpose of putting these tracking devices on the birds was to learn more about the movements and social dynamics of magpies, like how far they travel each day, how their social behaviors are influenced by sex, age, rank, etc. But the study had a second purpose, which was to test the newly developed and unproven tracking device. So it was a new device. Most trackers are too big to fit on small and medium-sized birds, and small trackers tend to be limited when it comes to data storage, battery life, etc. So this new tracker that weighed less than one gram was designed to overcome all those problems. So it was attached to this. It actually looks like a mini backpack. There's an, a visual in this article I'm going to link. It looks like this little like backpack that the birds would wear and it was fitted to them. It would not hurt them and it would recharge wirelessly, transmit data wirelessly and detach with the use of a magnet. So they were so excited by this design and it opened up so many possibilities for efficiency, etc. They were just, they were stoked. Okay, the scientists, they were very excited. So they trained a local group of magpies to frequent this outdoor feeding station, and five of the birds were fitted with the device. The harness could not be removed easily as it required a magnet, like I said, or some really good scissors. Like this thing was snug. It wasn't hurting them, but it was snug on them. So there was just no way that it would come off without the scientists getting it off of them. Things started to fall apart quite literally almost immediately. Within 10 minutes of fitting the fifth and final tracker on the magpies, an adult female without a tracker was busy trying to remove the harness from a younger bird, eventually succeeding. This pattern was repeated in the following hours, and by the third day, the final fifth tracker had been removed from a dominant male. The scientists weren't sure if the same individual, like the same bird removed all the harnesses, like she was just a smart one, obviously she's a girl, or if others chipped in to help, but they said it's a possible sign of rescue behavior. Because in order to have their harness removed or to remove a harness, the birds had to willingly want to help other individuals and also accept the help. Like a bird that's like, you know, gnawing at the back of another bird trying to get the harness off, like the bird that has the harness on needs to like let the other one do its thing, right, to free it. So it's interesting that it had the capacity to do that. High intelligence and problem-solving abilities are often observed among social species. Cooperation in these contexts is good as it boosts an individual's chance of survival within the group, and groups do best when individuals are obviously strong and healthy. For magpies, who live in groups with as many as a dozen members, these cognitive traits allow them to collectively defend territory and communally raise young. So they're a smart species because they look out for each other, and they're intelligent enough to know the importance of doing that right? 
But anyway, how interesting. The team did not get the data they wanted, but their experiment still yielded interesting results. Their new paper also demonstrates the need for small pilot studies because you don't always get what you expect. Very interesting article. I'm going to have it linked. It's an Australian article from Gizmodo. But I just thought that was so interesting. Like the birds outsmarted the scientists. Like birds, okay, how big is the brain of a bird, right? Very small, obviously, when you put it next to a human brain. But the fact that we're all the same in wanting to, you know, look out for each other, connect with each other, have this need to make sure everyone's doing okay so we can collectively survive, like checking in and It's just so interesting. I thought this story was just a really good way to end this podcast episode on connection and just talking about the importance of it and how even birds know the importance of it and know what could potentially happen, what potentially harm us if we don't have it. So I guess if there's any parting remark I want to say on this topic, it's, you know, it is important to find your people. It will be hard in many instances. It might feel like it's impossible, but I promise it is possible and You just have to stay optimistic because obviously, you know, I've met people and I'm like, wow, this is going to be like my best friend ever. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't pan out that way because obviously you have to feel mutually about it and mutually put in work. Like a friendship is one of those doors that swings both ways. It's like you need to push and pull and give and receive both ways. Like you need to be open on both ends of it. But it's just a matter of trying enough times that eventually it'll work out. I feel this way about dating apps and about romantic stuff. Like I know I can't let my optimism go. I can't let my sense of wonder go because with it is all chance of survival. Like that's so dramatic, but I know that the more you try, it's going to work at some point. You're going to swing and miss a lot, but it is worth it in the end because you do feel so much better when you have community And that might not even be a romantic relationship. Like I've barely talked about romantic relationships in this podcast because I don't think it's like that is definitely something I want. Obviously, I talked about that a little bit earlier and wanting love. But I also know that I have love. I have a lot of love in my friendships, in my relationships, with my family and with those I work with. I am surrounded by a lot of love and it feels really good, but I've worked for that love. I have. And it's hard, but it's so, so, so worth it. So if this is like the push you needed to go out and make some new friends, get on Bumble BFF or something like that, then do it because I promise you, like it's you're not crazy for wanting it and needing it and you should just give it a try. Anyway, that is my episode, guys. Hope you all enjoyed and I will talk to you guys next Thursday on another episode of Thick and Thin. Thanks for listening. Bye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>